0: It's up here close to me, so um, amen. Well, good evening. You having a good one? Good. I so missed y'all on Sunday, and I uh, had a great time, really uh, sewed into um, my pastor's church, and uh, he was very appreciative, had many people that, uh, several people that called him or sent him a message the next day saying how much the message was, so I appreciate y'all lifting us up while I was gone, and uh, I heard that Nicole did aight. And uh, I heard she did all right. Yeah, so I've heard about half of it. I need to finish it. But um, I'll tell you, one of the things that your, uh, your tithes is doing, I found out in the last week, is it's reaching out to a potential 90,000. This is part of what this ministry is doing, reaching out to a potential 90,000, not people by themselves, but 90,000 pastors. Uh, is what uh, we're about to be able to have an effect on um, in one little area, and so a lot of times I was talking actually to Jude uh, yesterday, and and we were talking about how Albemarle is a small town. I said, well, it may be small in the flesh and in the physical, but in the spirit, God's doing some big stuff right here in this ministry called Boomerang, and uh... It, you know, to the eyes, it might not look like we're touching that. But God just opened a door for us to touch 90,000 pastors and have an, have an effect. And it's because we have a ministry, because you give what you give, because you're here, because you support it, because you show up. That's why. So in other words, the will of God is going to be able to be sown and passed into a large group of people all over the world because of who you are and what we're doing here. So, um... It's not as small as what it may look in the flesh. That's why you don't look with eyes of flesh. You look with eyes of the Spirit. And uh, I did, part of the reason I was running a few minutes behind was I just finished writing an article that will come out tomorrow morning um, called Blessed Eyes and Ears. And that will probably pop up on all the social media. It will be on the blog site. So if you go to Boomerang Church and then click Media and Blogs, it will be there in the morning about 9 o'clock. And uh, definitely, probably something you want to not only read, but pass on. So it's something the Lord wanted me to write today. So uh, tonight, I believe that we are finishing uh, Relationships and Marriage 101. I believe we're going to finish up with it. Um, what we're going to do, i got a few things to go over, some very key elements, essential elements to a great marriage. And uh, going to teach on those for a few minutes. And then I'm going to call up Nicole and uh, see if she has anything to say on those things. But then take questions and uh, answer those questions on anything that we've covered in marriage and relationships. So if you have a question about your relationship, about your marriage, uh, I want you to be thinking about it because I'm going to call her up in a few minutes. So. Let's jump right in and Lord we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for this series on relationships and marriage because I'm it's blessed me big time. I've received from it. I've I've changed in my mind, in my heart on ways that I thought and actions that I take. And I just praise you myself for it and I thank you. Lord, I just give we give you all the glory and all the honor in our in our fellowships and in our relationships and in our marriages, in our families. We seek to give you all of the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a lot of what you'll hear uh in this message tonight and some of the quotes that you've heard before. Uh, came uh, out of marriage today, out of uh, Jimmy Evans' teaching, uh, and he's got one series that was recommended to me called Sex, Love, (coughs) and Communication. And uh, I would recommend it to you definitely if you haven't heard that. It's a great series. I've listened to it a couple of times, and a lot of what we're talking about tonight comes out of uh, his first lesson there. But it's key. It's absolutely key in uh, marriages and in relationships. This is something that you should definitely know. Always be relating this back to your relationship with Christ as well. In other words, if there's something that you see that you should be doing in your marriage, you can be assured that Christ is doing it in your fellowship and relationship with him as he's married to you, the believer. Okay. So he's not withholding these things back from you. He is making sure that you are provided in every one of these areas. Tonight we're talking about three pillars of marriage. Um and we're the what we're going to do is go over three essential elements of a great marriage. And those three essential elements in a great marriage is number 1 uh what Jimmy calls the core factor, the fun factor, And the faith factor. And so the first thing is, you got the core factor, the fun factor, and the faith factor. The first thing we want to talk about is the core. And one of the things that he brought up was, if if somebody would have asked him, what is the legal definition of marriage, how do you say that somebody's married? Well, he said, before a few years ago, I wouldn't have known what the legal definition of. And and so one of the things he did was he started looking into laws and what's the legal uh, standards? What's the legal parameters to define a marriage? And by the state, most laws and most legalities that you will find concerning marriage will include these core items. And I want you to see them. So the first thing is, and so we're not just talking about God here. We're talking about what does the laws of this land say about marriages. But they will point to what needs to be in the core of a marriage. All right. So number one is financial unity. When you get married, the state, and if you ever get a credit report today, you will see on your credit report your wife or your husband's stuff it just as as, as much as it is yours, because when you're married, basically it starts treating you financially as if you were one, okay? And so when you are different a little bit in credit union's eyes, but basically you're the same. There's a financial unity. Uh, next, the state recognizes that as soon as you get married, you become the next of kin, okay? You become next of kin, Next thing is they recognize that that means that you're agreeing to sexual exclusivity. In other words, the only person that you have sex with is your spouse. So these are things that the state recognizes. Well, this points us to some core needs, some essential things that we need in our marriage because why would they say that those things go together except that there's some natural functions that actually each uh, spouse needs in these things. Number one, we have financial needs. When we get married, uh, Nicole has financial need from me, and I have financial need from her. Okay? And part of a core marriage, a core group of items that a marriage is founded on, is the ability to provide financially for each other. Okay? Number two is the next of kin. Well, this relates to, just think about it this way. As soon as you get married, uh, you know, uh, when Barrett came down from Maine, right? Well, she comes down here, and she, you know, talks funny, and uh, she uh, has different ways about her. This is really fun for me. You just sit right there. So she has different ways about her, but very soon she became family right, with all her weird, funny talking, and ways, and other stuff, she became family, and we, and we love her, right, but she became family, well, what happens when somebody becomes family, well, don't mess with her, you start messing with her, you know, the devil starts messing with her, Nicole and I, we start praying, boy, it's like, uh-uh, nah, you ain't messing with her, why, because she's family. So when the when the state recognizes next of kin, one of the things that they're saying is is when you get married, your family, yep. your family, and so there's some there's some personal needs that are met. First, number one core is financial needs. Number two is personal needs. Your family. If you need something, you got it, right? You you're getting attacked. I'm getting attacked. Your family. Okay. Uh, it, one of the things that's interesting, and this is true in uh, in the Word, uh, there's a saying that says, blood is thicker than water, and Jimmy says this, and I've thought this for years, actually. This is a major revelation that caused me to start out into ministry, was uh, at one point my dad and I were not seeing eye to eye, not in an argumentative way, but he thought I should go this direction, and I thought I should go this direction, Right. And the reason why he thought I should go this direction, I don't know why that is. He he probably had plenty of reasons. I could probably guess, but I don't really know where his heart was. But the reason I thought I should go this direction is because God, I felt like God told me to go that direction, right? And so at that point, I had to decide, was blood more important or was God more important? And he had taught me to honor God even above him. And so I had to go with God. And I'd seen in the Word that God was more important. And then I'd seen in Hebrews where it actually, everything that was physical actually formed out of spiritual. Hebrews 11.3 and 11.1. 1. The things that you see were made from things which do not appear. In other words, if you want to get down to it, the spiritual is the root of the flesh. And Jesus came up and said, they said, your mother and your brothers is outside. He said, these are my mother. This is my brothers. This is my family. So Jesus himself was putting things on a different level. Well, that kind of felt wrong for, to somebody. I know the way that I was raised was you don't, uh-uh. You don't cross blood. You don't do that. And there's a lot to be said for that. And I would say that that is correct. That's good thinking until it comes to spiritual things. And then spiritual trumps physical. All right? Spirit trumps blood, physical blood it trumps that and I started to learn that I started to apply that and I found through experience as well as the word that is absolutely true and so he said blood is thicker than water but spirit is thicker than blood and so what happens one of the things that happens is spiritually you are united And so this is a problem where you have a husband or a wife constantly going back to their blood relatives, talking to their mom or their dad or their family, is they become one in the flesh and one basically spiritually united, and they're going back to a lower way. And it doesn't mean that they should reject their family, but it does mean, just like the Word says, that you step away from them and you become one with the other person. And so a lot of people run into problems there because they don't see what God's actually doing in the Spirit. The next thing is sexual uh, exclusivity. In other words, uh, we meet the financial needs, we meet the personal needs, and we meet sexual needs. Okay, these This is the core that's based on a definition of marriage that's, that's basically accepted by a lot of different people. Now, if you get in there, and here's the thing about this core, you can't just be good at one thing. They're all equally important. In other words, if I just meet the personal needs of Nicole and the sexual needs, but I don't meet the financial needs, our, my core is unstable. Okay? Okay. If I just meet uh, the personal needs uh, and the financial needs, but I don't meet sexual needs, or vice versa, she doesn't do it for me, the core is unstable. You're going to have problems. It's going, you're going to have problems. Or if we, I meet the financial needs, we meet the financial needs for each other and the sexual needs, but we don't meet the personal needs, the core is unstable. Each one is equally important. You can't be just, well, we're really good at sex. Yeah, I mean, we're just really good. I'm telling you what, we're just really good at sex. That who cares? Your core is unstable. You can't just be good at one. You know, you can't just be you can't just be good at two. You need to grow so that you're good at all of them. Okay, that's why a lot of a lot of times when you have marriages that are just based off of attraction, they have problems. Because you're only meeting one of the three of the core items, okay? You must protect that core. You must protect that core. Well, and in order to protect that core, what that means is I'm meeting the needs of the other person, okay? So in order to protect that core, that means I'm giving thought. That means I'm giving effort. That means I'm prioritizing The needs of not myself, of the other person. That's protecting the core. If I'm just thinking about my needs, my core needs, then I'm not protecting the core. Because my needs are not covered by me. They're either covered by my spouse or by Christ. And Christ through her. So me thinking about my needs really doesn't do me all that much good. My thoughts need to be about my spouse. That's where protecting the core actually happens in meeting the needs of your spouse. So that's the three pillars of marriage. Number one is the core factor. Number two is the fun factor. Look, you gotta have fun. (laughs) These are essentials for a good relationship and a good marriage. You gotta protect the core And you got to have fun. I I love this statement. Uh, Jimmy said this, and I I busted out laughing. No one falls in love having a bad time. (laughs) Nobody falls in love having a bad time. They're having a good time. They're having fun. Fun is is an essential pillar to a good marriage. And if you stop having fun, guess what? You're going to stop having a good marriage. You got to have fun. You got to have it. Listen, without fun and sex, uh, and sex is classified in here as well, marriage is a business relationship and it's a bad one. Without fun and sex, it's just a business relationship, it's just a legal relationship, and it's a bad one. It's not good. There was some research that was done on relationships and people having fun, and and there are several different things, but basically they said that there was a very strong correlation between strong marriages and strong fun that they have in those marriages. So there was a big uh, correlation between the fun that they have and the strength in their marriage. One of them said this, people in happy relationships generate fun. They generate fun. They find ways on how to have fun. Right? It keeps their relationship strong, healthy, and fresh. In the process, one of the couples that they interviewed, I think they were from San Diego, and so they, uh, their fun was they went to go and watch the Padres play. Right? And, and the interview in the wife, they said, when things get tense, and they can get tense, When when, As soon as it starts to get tense, one of them will say, how about them padres? And and they immediately just kind of take a break from the tense. They talk about a time where they've had fun together, and that helps to ease that. And that fun side of it, that fun pillar, helps them get through the emotionally tough stuff. But they only are able to do it because they had fun together. And so from that, actually, one of the researchers just did some research, and they took a look at major cities. And they looked at major cities with baseball teams in them and major cities that didn't have baseball teams in them, right? And they found something that was very interesting. They compared that with divorce percentages. And here's what they found. Major cities with baseball teams have 28% less divorces than major cities without baseball teams. Now here's the thing. What's the point? Is is the point that you need a baseball team? No. The point is that they have fun. You know, they have a good time. They might enjoy more of a fun atmosphere. Now, you can't just sit around all the time having fun and never have any responsibilities. But there's an element of fun that happens. It's a core thing. It's a pillar. It's an essential element to a good marriage. you got to have fun. Remember, you didn't fall in love not having fun. you got to have fun. A lack of leisure time together is ruining marriages. A lack of leisure time together is ruining marriages. We need activities where we participate and interact together. And I'll just throw this out there. TV and internet activity does not count because it has an inability to bond relationships. It's not quality time. It's not, it wouldn't fall under the fun time together. <laughs> when you go to baseball, the great thing about baseball is you've got time to actually sit and talk in between batters. So that's awesome. There's communication. Unless you're umpiring. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll do that. So here's the thing. You need to have interaction. You need to have places where you can have fun together. You need to look for that. I can tell you this was something that was lacking in Nicole and I's relationship. And, and you know, it was for a good reason. 1 Corinthians thirteen three: Even if you give yourself to be burned but have not love, it profits you nothing. And so for six and a half years now, we've been working on building the ministry and everything revolved around either her going to work or me going to work and everything we thought morning, you know... All of the, uh, you know, our thoughts and actions and efforts was towards you, and in the process, we forgot to have fun, right? And so, about a year ago, thank goodness for the Holy Spirit. About a year ago, the Holy Spirit goes, and and our relationship was okay, but we were missing this pillar in there, and we just knew. Well, I mean, we weren't thinking bad thoughts towards each other, but we just knew that something wasn't right. And so all of a sudden, the Lord started bringing that up. And, and I remember when I heard this uh, message for the first time, I told Nicole, I said, we've got to find something to do that's fun. What do you like to do? And her response was the same as mine. I don't have a clue. I don't know what I consider fun. now. And I didn't. I had to stop and think about it for several days and weeks. before. And finally, after about a month, and here's what you do, we went to the Lord, both of us, and said, Lord, what do I like to do? What's fun for us? What are ways where we can s- interact with each other and have fun? And we started praying on that. And the Lord brought up things to me and brought up things to Nicole that we both like to have fun in. And we started, instantly started doing those things. And instantly it was almost like this little spark comes back in there that we were missing. We, we had it, it good, but it wasn't great. And all of a sudden, instantly it started moving right back to great Simply because we were having fun. Yeah. So if you're not having fun, start asking the Lord, what can we do to have fun together? Not just what do you want to do to have fun. What can we do to have fun together and find those things? Now, here, here's a good thing. We've kind of been talking about this. What is man's version of fun versus, versus woman's version of fun? Because they are different. Which makes the question, how can a man and woman have fun at the same time? Now what's interesting is, man fun basically, I'm just in general terms, it boils down to this, they want to go have fun with a friend. They do that, and they're having a good time. They want to enjoy and have fun with somebody. If it's, if it's not the wife, It'll end up being their guy friends, yeah, or somebody else. It'll end up being somebody that's fun to them. They just want to go have a good time. Now, anything in that range qualifies as a date to guys. (laughs) Anything in that range. So we'll be like, come on, let's just go on down here, and we think because we rode in the truck together with the woman that we had a good date, and we had fun together. We went and saw something. Well, that does not count as fun to a woman. And I'm taking this from Jimmy, and I'll let you ladies agree with this if you do. Here's fun to a woman. Women want to connect and communicate. (laughs) Apparently, Jimmy was right. (laughs) They want to connect and communicate. And they have fun when all of a sudden they're sitting there talking with their husband, and they're thinking, we're connecting, we're communicating. That's it. So, he made the statement, women want details, not headlines, which I thought was funny. And they don't consider it a date unless there was considerate effort put into it. Yeah. Now, what's very interesting is, all right, ladies, men open up when they're having fun. Two times when men will become the most emotionally vulnerable is when they're having fun and after sex. That's the two times. You want them to be emotionally vulnerable, and that's when they are the most, when they're having fun and right after they've had sex. It's true. It's true. So, here's a good good thing. Just think about it. When a man prepares the date, how do they do it? And when a woman prepares a date, How do they do it? And in my head, here's what happens. I'm like, hey, we got three hours. Let's go do something. Let's go have fun. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go play uh, sports. Or let's go do something. Let me shoot you with a paintball. Let me do anything. Let's go do something. Right? And that's a date to me. But when Nicole makes a date or she does something special, it's like I walk into the house. And there's stuff prepared everywhere. And there's candles and there's rose petals. And maybe she cooked dinner. She put all this time into it, right? And I'm like, and now listen, here's what the guy's thinking. When, here's what the ladies are thinking. When we say, come on, let's go do something. they're like, that's not connecting. That's not communicating. That's what the ladies are thinking. And when I walk into the house and see all that pre- preparation, I'm thinking, Man, how long did it take her to do all that? And oh, I guess it'll be a good meal, but it means not that much to me. And you look at that, and what the woman is trying to do is what she wants to have done to her, and what the man is trying to do is what he wants done to him. So if you look at how we generally will prepare for a date, that's what each one Really cares about, and they think she thinks that I'm going to get totally blessed by all that effort and preparation. And I do to this day, I do today acknowledge it and honor that and esteem it because that's coming straight out of her heart. Right? But it doesn't mean as much to me, honestly, as it does to her. And so, guys, if we are going to care for the personal needs of our wife, then we, and wives, if you're going to care for the personal needs of your husband, then you need to think the way that they think. Then you need to start thinking about them and taking time and effort to consider them. Husbands, that means you put some thought into it. I can tell you, and all right, so we started dating in 1996. and I'm pretty sure yeah I'm pretty sure it was 96 or 97 that we went on a date and I took her to the Biltmore House right now here's what I did I had to prepare this I had to call and get her off work I called her mom I asked her to pack clothes so that we could go up and go see the Biltmore House and we had this weekend together and I surprised her with it I told her we were going somewhere else and everything and so that is almost 20 years ago, and just the other week she was telling somebody about that trip still to this day. Why? Because I took time. Because I put effort into it. Thank you very much. Now that, sh- that, that should say something to us, shouldn't it? That should say something to us that... We need to be doing that more. That's what she wants. Wives, just going and go, going to whatever you feel like going to go see and whatever you want to do is not going to satisfy a guy most of the time. They just want to go and have fun doing something, generally. I can remember a few years ago the thing I wanted her the most to do. And this is one of the ways that guys work. And this is fun. When they see their, their wife connecting and having a good time, they see them as a friend. One of the things that was said was wives are mu- I mean husbands are much, much more likely to call their wife their best friend than women are to call their husband. Because they're looking for a friend. Remember, friendship is one of the top needs that a a man has from last week's uh, teaching. So, we need to start thinking in different ways. And here's the thing. A lot of wives are like, I don't want to go shoot guns. But you do want communication." Now Nicole wants to go shoot guns, but, but I don't want to just go shoot something out in the woods. A lot of times, you know, you're, you just apply that in any way that you want to do. Wives will say, I don't want to go do that, but you do want communication. And when you supply the need for the man to go have fun with a friend, he automatically opens up. It's natural automatically you have this shared experience and he will become emotionally vulnerable, which is what you want. And now both of those things are both supplying the needs to each other. That's how it works. When we start considering one another, that's when it actually works and opens up uh, to what it should be. So we need to have fun. So number one is the core uh, elements there. We need to protect the core, the financial needs, the personal needs, and the sexual needs. Number two is you got to have fun. And number three is you keep, is the faith factor. You keep God as the priority in your life and your marriage. Because you can have the other two but not have this. You won't have the fullness. It'll be better, but it won't be complete. We trust him in our marriage and everything that we do we trust him in every part of life this is a key the faith factor in your marriage we seek him first in everything even like vacation we don't just go vacation wherever we want to we're seeking God where do you want us to go you know well a lot of people would think maybe they wouldn't say it out loud but in their mind they're like this is my vacation I want to go where I want to (laughs) go you keep god first you seek him first and all these things will be added to you i promise you'll even have bit more fun better fun more favor on vacations when you actually seek him in that you seek him first and we seek him first together in the relationship the couples the the statistics that he had uh, the latest one said couples that regularly pray together have a 3% divorce rate Three percent. The average today is fifty. Couples, think about that, man. You want some insurance for your marriage? Just start praying to God. Yep. Even if you don't know him, start praying to God. Yep. I mean, that may sound funny to a believer, but if you start praying to God, he's going to start talking to you anyway. They'll be they'll be born again for long. Just start praying to God. Yep. That's marriage insurance. Amen. When you have faith factor present and a priority, the couple just doesn't get negative. They have hope. They have life. And they just don't get negative because their faith in God and keeping Him first is there. And so uh, some last little miscellaneous quotes. I said some of these last week. I want to give them to you. Uh, Before I give them to you, I'll go over those three again. Number one is the core factor which is meeting the financial needs, the personal needs, and the sexual needs. Number two is uh, the fun factor, and number three is the faith factor. We want to make sure we have those things in place. Uh, Here's some quotes, and and a lot of times people, uh, if you, you, you do realize... That if you marry, you know, a lot of people get in marriage and they're like, I just wanted to marry a normal person. They think so weird. Well, here's the thing. If you marry a normal person, here's what a normal person is. Not like you. (laughs) A normal person is not going to be like you. And if they were like you, that's not the person you want to (laughs) marry. And so, uh, they're not going to be like you. You don't want them to change into you. That would stink. All right. You have to be a servant. To be happily married, why you have to meet the needs of the other person serve you want a happy marriage? You get two servants that are in love best marriage well there you go best marriage in the world is two servants in love. The worst marriage in the world is two selfish people in love. Marriage is in our DNA. God made us for marriage. We were made for marriage, and it 's important you know, uh, there are some people that believe and I, I kind of feel like this too that people don't have the complete picture of God if you don't have a husband and a wife a male and a female you really don't see the complete because part of the language in the original text actually uh, sh- it looks like what God did was he took uh, he had the complete picture of God in Adam and then he took the a feminine half out of Adam and made Eve. Yeah. And together they were a help that were meant to, they were meet and mated equally together. That's right. And they can't be complete without each other. I, I tend to believe in that as well. I tend to agree with that. You were made and designed, and it and we need each other, and that's why a family needs a husband and a wife as you're raising kids and everything, because you need both sides, uh, all the sides of God, influence those ch- influencing those children. Now that doesn't mean that you go out there. You have to understand. Okay, oh, I gotta go find a a husband or a wife. No. What was Adam doing? He was about the father's business, and God said he needs somebody. That's right, and so he, did, he kept his eyes on God. God kept his eyes on Adam. That's right. So you don't have to worry about it. You just go after God. God never created anything to fail. We were created to thrive in marriage. Yep. Amen? Yeah, Amen. So uh, I'd like to go ahead and call Nicole up here and see if she has any input on any of that. And then we'll answer some questions. So get your questions ready. You have input on that stuff?
1: One thing he just said, as you go about the father's business, he'll provide the spouse for you. The same thing goes for marriages that are already established. If you're unequally yoked or you've just at the present time you don't have the marriage that it should be as you go about the father's business he will raise that spouse up to where they are supposed to be
0: yes amen amen I'm sorry was there anything else on the uh, core or the fun or faith factor
1: I'm sure there was there was lots of stuff (laughs) Priscilla and I probably shouldn't serve together because we were back there having a good time. I had all I sorts of input back there. But you notice <laughs> he puts me back in the back till he's finished talking. Then he says, now she can come up here and say whatever she's got to say. After I've done amused myself for 30 minutes and then forgot what I was going to say.
0: I might have left out the wisdom factor that I was operating <laughs> in there. <so. laughs>
1: Priscilla brought up a good point, actually. Um, and this is true. Not, I'm not talking about my husband. But, you know, Sunday I was talking about our testimony and, you know, when's the last time that you, when's the last time God moved in your life? You know, and I was saying, okay, well, he did something big for us, you know, when Abigail was a baby. But what if we didn't have another testimony since then? Well, the same thing goes for marriages, you know. I mean, Brian did this awesome thing and that Biltmore trip is still today today. One of my absolute most favorite things that we've ever done. Um, It just, it completely blessed me because he put a lot of effort into it. I love the Biltmore. He didn't know that, but, you know, I like the Biltmore. And he put a lot of effort into it, and it was obvious, you know. And that just abundantly blessed me. But what if he hadn't have done anything since then? You know, we can't ride on, well, I did this when I dated you. And, you know, it's kind of like the stupid statement, well, I told you I love you when we got married. If it changes, I'll let you know. Yep. You can't do that. You've got to show them again and again and again that you were thinking about them, that they are a part of you.
0: Well, you think about that, that, that statement, well, I love you, I told you when I, you know, when we got married, that is totally throwing out the needs for the wife. Completely, if you're in love, that means you're making a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving. That means I'm going to consider your needs higher than mine and give them to you. And by saying that, you're basically saying, I don't care what you think. I'm only going to do what I think. And you don't have any needs that are important. So that's a horrible thing. Um, and it's totally backwards. So. Amen. Uh, is there, does, there anybody, does anybody have questions? questions y'all got it figured out amen will you take that back to Priscilla please yes,
1: sir.
0: I'm just starting it off so y'all get ready <laughs> um, so what do you do when your spouse is not very um, enthusiastic about going and having the fun in, um, in whatever kind of ways that are suggested. What are some things that I can do to promote that in him? Outside of, of course, prayer first, but to get him wanting to do that when it, it seems like it's not his nature. All right, I'm going to let Nicole finish up and go ahead and bring that mic on back up here. I'm going to um, let her finish up, but I can tell you the first thing is you meet his needs. You focus on his needs, not yours. Yeah. And even if he's not wanting to go have fun with you, uh, you just keep considering that. Seek the Lord. Seek his wisdom. Uh, seek his leading on it. And what you're doing is you're giving yourself to whatever the Lord tells you. And in that obedience, God will bless it.
1: Well, and I'm just thinking about, you know, when we were going through something similar and it was, you know, Brian was withdrawing and had, you know, stuff on him and I didn't know what was going on. And what I had to do was I had to give that to God in prayer. And I prayed a lot and, you know, wore holes in the carpet praying over. But when I did see opportunities to serve, I served in every way that I saw that could be a blessing to him. And what it's doing is just starting to, rebuild that relationship so that he can start to see you with you know a new eyes and you know when he's around you be fun don't pull out the well let's you know let's talk about the bills or let's you know we need to talk about what's going on with the kids or whatever don't make every time you're around each other don't make it just the business you know cut up tell him a joke that you heard that day you know be silly you know, whatever, take a pillow and just beat the tar out of him and, you know, start a pillow fight. Just something that, you yeah, know, that's fun. that, yeah, that, you know, could cause him to laugh. Yeah. And it's just those little things there. And I mean, it's like a domino. You push one and the others will start to fall and start. And I did beat you with the pillow this week. <laughs> Y'all heard last week that, you know, we need to beat him. I've worked oh, on that this week. I have I've, I've Increased my beatings <laughs> of Brian.
0: I told you and that was at fun. And look
1: the love in his eyes for oh, me. Ooh. <laughs> wow.
0: Please
1: well, can folk now.
0: <laughs> I can't wait for you to watch this video of yourself. <laughs> and my blood red? <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for you to watch this video of yourself. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm
1: trying to be color-coordinated. <laughs>
0: um, well, and you said some, Jimmy said something. He said that men are a lot more emotionally guarded than ladies are. And so that's part of where the husband not wanting to open up comes from. And the way to get those guards to come down is to have fun. So the woman's approach is I want him to talk. And so they go into it going, I want you to talk. I want you to open up. I want you to give it. And the guy's going, I'm not doing anything because I don't trust where you're going with this. And they just, they guard harder. So you actually, that's why it doesn't work. Does that make sense? So, yep. Next question. That was a good question. I don't know how to exactly
1: phrase this question, but how do how do children
0: negatively affect that relationship when you now have to split your time? you know it seems
1: fifty fifty part between your spouse, part between your children
0: um, yeah, that's a good question. Well, the one thing about children is you do have a responsibility for them and You know, it's one of the things that Paul says is, you know, I would that uh, you were all like me, which basically means not married. So what he was saying is because you're, as soon as you get married, here is one thing that happens, and this is what Paul was saying, is my attention is diverted from 100% God to my spouse. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing if God determined that you are supposed to be married. That's an awesome thing. Uh, But it's equally as awesome if God determined that the best thing for you is to remain single. So it's awesome for whoever has that. Well, children are also one of those things. They are a gift from the Lord. So if he determines, but they also come with, I would say, they bring in diversion that can take away not only from God but also from this relationship and this marriage. And at that point, you have to keep in mind What's the priority system? Because most people in this world in America today in this year uh, see children as more important than their spouse, and that's incorrect according to the to the word. Um, you are one with your spouse. Your children are a separate entity. Now they're a part of both of you. They are part of your blood. But again, that goes back to what is thicker than blood? You know, because ultimately they are not a part. Uh, spiritually whole and one with you, like your spouse is, what God has joined together. So the priority system is the first thing that needs to be worked out. you got to understand that it, priority is God, spouse, then children, not children, uh, spouse, then God, or any other uh, way. It's got to be that way. And then once you have that figured out, it really helps to start slot, uh, sorting things into the right position um, that really helps to see things in the right way but if your priority system's out of, out of whack then all of a sudden you're putting things here and there because it looks right and it's not and it's never going to work and you've got just confusion going on and children can be that I mean they're wide open and can be and you have to make sure that you uh, have God as your source and you put them in the right place as far as priorities go Uh, and then make sure that like for example when we uh, this is something we've actually been talking about a lot because basically what happens is uh, we both get up in the mornings our times for getting up is a little bit different Uh, she generally gets up recently it's just been about an hour earlier than I am but before that it was a couple hours before I I was and um, so Recently, it's about an hour. We really don't communicate or see each other that much in the morning. She handles stuff. She goes. I get up. I handle stuff. And then we go work all day. We get run errands or whatever. We both come home, and if we don't have ministry stuff to do, which is almost an every-night thing, then uh, we'll have time with the kids. Basically, by the time we get home, everything's settled. It's 7 o'clock. We, we eat at by 9 o'clock, they're, they're going to bed. And then we feel like, hey, how are you at 9 o'clock when we're wore out? And, and one of the patterns that we got into is we don't want to think, we don't want to talk, just turn the TV on. And then you get into the TV, but then you go to bed at 11 or 12 at night. And so then you get up, you're not getting a full night's sleep, you're not spending any quality time together, you're really not having fun together, but you, won't, you don't want to go to bed or, or just go do something else because you're either too tired or you don't want to go to bed because then I don't feel like I've seen you. This is exactly what we were talking about today. And, and so you have to make sure that you have priority. One of the things that we just did in the month of June was turn the TV off. So we're not having, you know, that's just one of the things we're fasting this month is we're not having any TV time uh, except for maybe one day on the weekend, which we would do with the girls or do something. But throughout the week we're not, and, the, and we've uh, gone to bed uh, at a good hour. I've actually been catching up. I can feel it. I, I am getting more done during the day. I'm catching up on sleep. Nicole's starting to catch up some too. She was a little bit more void of sleep than even I was. And uh, we are we're actually talking more in the past two weeks, I think, since, since this month started than we had in months, you know, simply because of that. And that was where we sought the Lord. He gave us wisdom, and it helped. But you have to have them in the right priority. And you have to make sure that at the same time they're not forgotten. You're, and keep this in mind. Our job as parents is to sh- be a good example of the Father and of His love in our relationship. So if we're constantly giving them all the time and attention and not any to each other, we're failing as parents. Yeah. Because the time and attention and love that we give each other shows God's love to the world. It's an example. It's, a, it's an image of that. So if we're g- giving the kids all the time and attention but not to each other, we're still failing. Yeah. It's got to be the proper balance.
1: Well and we're setting our kids' marriage up for failure as well. Yes. I mean, what kid especially you know little girls I mean Brian can speak for what little guy what little boys think of, but you know, little girls. They don't grow up thinking, Oh, I want a man who's gone every day and you know on the weekends he's with his friends. Oh man, that's a knight in shining armor. They wanna see they wanna see a man that loves his wife, that, you know, still gives her the you know, the butterflies in her stomach. They want a man That makes a woman smile, that makes her happy, that makes her feel loved. But if we see, you know, well, mommy puts me before Diddy, so he must not be that good of a man, you know, or whatever. It's going to affect how they see marriage as a whole. And, you know, so we just, we have to keep, that's the most vital thing, is keeping our priority system straight. And you can still do dates and fun things just because you've got to be at home. You just do them different. You send the kids to bed a little bit earlier, or you get a babysitter. And I know we didn't have kids then, but, you know, another one of my... One of the things that Brian did for me, and had we had a kid, he would have just gotten his uh, mom to watch Abigail. But, you know, one of the greatest things that he did for me when we were uh, first married, it was super cheap. He went and bought a taco and a Mountain Dew. That was it. That's all the money he spent. But then he all had, had. Yeah, yeah that was all we had and that was an improvement because we had just come off the ramen noodle diet yes um, but then he had little clues he it started in the house and it went outside and there were little clues all around and it ended up to where he had a picnic set out in the woods back behind our house and it was it was very sweet very romantic it showed me he took time I like Taco Bell. I like Mountain Dew. He had those things there and we had a great time, but we never left our yard. That's the kind of stuff you can do for each other. And you know, find a babysitter. It is okay for your kids not to be with you 24/7. In fact, I guarantee you they need to not be with you 24/7.
0: <laughs> Amen. And again, what what year was that? 99 or 2000? So we're talking 15 years ago. She's still talking about that story because it's one that I took time and effort to put into. I did good. It's time for another
1: one. Oh, preach it. You want this
0: mic? <laughs> it's time for another one. Next question. Everybody's quiet. On,
1: Everybody else has their marriage figured out.
0: you want to ask, or um, on anything that we've covered over all of this, we've talked about a lot. I think this is the seventh Wednesday. So, we talked about how Go ahead. To i was going to reach to you, but you,
1: oh. you talked about how to avoid the arguments and how to just kind of be happier all together could you maybe give advice on how to handle it once you're already there like once you're already maybe, in the argument when you're in the argument you're ready to start swinging yeah how to kind of yeah bring it back down
0: <laughs> well number one is you I put up on Facebook. Yesterday, I think these two questions mean so much to me. Number one, who is the source? And number two, who gets the glory? And so number one thing in that is remembering that God is your source, not your spouse. Okay? Now, in the middle of that is saying, All right, if I know that God's my source, divorce is not on his mind or in his heart, which is something that we covered in him, in here. If we're both given ourselves to God, we may both have deception right now, but we're giving our heart to God, are we going to be okay? And if God's our source, we're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. We may have issue now, but it's going to be okay. And we both have had our issues. But because we knew the heart of God and that he was in it, And her heart was to do the things of God. And my heart was to do the things of God. We knew we were going to be okay. And immediately that starts settling you down. Because what's really going on when you're having an argument is the fear that everything's not going to be okay. That's what you're arguing about. That this situation is never going to change. And really what it is is a lack of faith in who God is. Because he's your source. And so just knowing that, Renewing your mind to that, it changes things. And that, so get to know who God really wants to be. You know, that's, that's the thing. No matter who you are, get to know him better. Get to know that he wants to be your source in everything. And once you start realizing that, then all of a sudden you're not as pressed to come up with an answer on your own in the moment or right now. If you don't change yourself right now all of a sudden it relieves that pressure and now you can actually communicate and talk about what you need to and you need to talk you don't need the emotion of anger and fear in that you and so what that does is it helps take those emotions out so you can actually deal with the issue but you both one of the things that we did early on it wasn't right away but we did early on was we gave ourselves to the things of God and we both sat down and equally agreed that if we saw that it was God then that's what we needed to do and so that way if we were in talking about something and I saw something that was not God I would immediately I committed from the beginning that I would make the change you know and she did the same thing and so when we get to that point and all of a sudden something's God then we 'd stop arguing about that because that 's what it is, so we've got to change. We made an absolute decision on that. that really helps, so that means when we get into the argument you know, and she points out something that's not God, i, I don 't have anything else to argue about at that point, and that just that finishes it off i 've got to do what's, what's godly so <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a hair sticking up. No, it's, well, I mean, Brian gave the the analogy at the beginning, that couple that goes, how about them Padres? And man, that's what you need to do. You t- need to take a moment and just step back. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 30 minutes or something, but just mentally take a break for a second, because I found with, you know, with us, any arguments we've had, and I'll speak from my behalf, it was either one of two things. It was fear that something wasn't going to work out, or it was pride. I wanted it my way. And either way is not God. So... No. When I step back, yeah, well, I mean, when I step back, and I'm like, okay, and that's what you need to do. You need to step back for a mentally and say, what am I so irritated about? What is this fight really about? Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes you need to just do it with each other. You know, I'd ask Brian, okay, what are, what are we really fighting about? What's the root of this? What are we scared of? Or if I know that it's me being prideful, I just want my way, then I need to realize if I'm meeting his needs, and he's meeting my needs, there's nothing to argue about because we both got everything. And sometimes it takes one of you starting it. So if it's fear, then, you know, we step back and, you know, we say, you know what, I'm sorry, I was worried about this, and that's wrong. And, you know, with, you know, a lot of times it's finances. That's a good one that people fear about. You know, we're wrong. It doesn't matter when, how, or anything, because it's not a question of if, it's God will provide. Yes. And we have to remind each other of that. There's times when, you know, I was in...
0: about me that she does not get or understand because I'm a guy. And there's things that about her that I don't understand because she's a girl. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. So without her telling me that stuff, I can never fully know the needs that she has. And without me telling her stuff, she can never know the needs that I have. And so you do have to have communication, and you've got to be able to be, in order for you to communicate properly, you've got to have open communication, not just communication. In other words, you've got to be willing to actually tell the other person some of the hard truths without either one of you getting emotional about it. Well, when you agree on that at the beginning, you know, there's going to be things that we need to talk about, and I need you, you to receive this without flipping out, you know, so we can actually talk about it. Well, when you both do that, uh, then you're able to really start getting into things. I mentioned something uh, last week where when we got to the place, I realized our communication had gone to another level when we'd be watching something and there'd be some lady on TV and I'd say, I think she's pretty. And she could accept that and not turn red, you know. And uh, we got to a place where we could actually talk about that stuff. And I would say, I like that. I like that look. Well, now she knows things that I like. I'm not. I'm not telling her for the sake of going. Ooh, look at that lady. You know, it wasn't that. It was I was trying to communicate to her what my needs were. You know, what I liked. Right. So that kind of communication she should appreciate. That's that's that open communication. But a lot of times, imme- immediately in that kind of situation, what happens is that, uh, and a lady will do this, but a guy will do this too. They'll go. I'm not good enough for you. I don't look like that. That is not what needs to be talked about. That's moving in fear, you you see. So there needs to be, in other other words, you're going to have uh, communication. You're going to have conversations that talk about things that are truths, you know, that are facts. And you need to have those conversations. You don't need to go through and just assume that each other know everything about each other because you don't.
1: I mean, when we counsel and do marriage counseling with people, 99.9% of all issues in their marriage boils down to communication. And you can be screaming at each other, but you're not communicating. That's why I said, take a moment, step back, and say, what are we really arguing about? If you agree from the get-go, look, we're going to find the solution in God. When you have that understanding of whether I agree or not, I think... He is looking for the answer that he believes is right in Christ. And as the leader of our household, as the leader of our family, I'm going to submit to that. But we discuss it, and he knows that I'm looking for the answer in Christ. When we have that understanding, we can bear all with each other. Because we know we're not judging each other. We're not looking. I'm not looking to fulfill my needs and looking to prove myself right. And he's not looking to prove himself right. We're both looking to find the answer in God that is right. So we can tell everything to each other. Well, I didn't like it when you said this. It made me feel that way. Well, I only said this because I wanted you to see that, you know, I like that outfit, that kind of, you know, dress or whatever. But you've got to be able to have the hard conversations now so that you don't have the hard fights later.
0: And one of the things that you can set, you know, renewing your mind is setting um, your mind. It's making it set. Uh, it's kind of like setting a trap so that when that button's pressed, it will swing and, tr- and go this way. So when what you do is in your mind, you set up, when the situation happens next time, I will have this response. Okay, so a mind that's set on the things of God is one that's set so that when that trigger happens, this is the response that I would have. So what you can do, and that is a great question that you ask because everybody in here, if they're married, have have gone through that, and we have too. Um, I mean, I would never yell at Nicole, ever.
1: And he's finally realized I'm always right
0: there's that and so and then so what you want to do is set your mind though because here's one of the things when you are in and feeling that way right what she said is very true it's generally anger based off of fear or pride one or the other okay when you're in that at that peak of emotions how much gets accomplished nothing so is it even worth doing no so immediately what you've got to do is remove that emotion away from it and and just back down to a normal conversation and and you know some people uh in my family uh we my dad would when he'd get upset he'd just keep getting louder you know and he'd just out loud you that's how he'd win conversations he'd out loud you and just keep getting louder so when we get in an argument i would just out loud, try to out loud, Nicole. You know, and um and that was probably the way he was raised, is the way I was raised, and so we had a tendency of just getting loud. And eventually, what happened was we'd get those emotions, and and then you start fearing that she's going to out loud me, and uh, so then I get angry about that, you know, and and so all of a sudden you've got these emotions run You're actually not communicating. And actually, not solving anything, you're just amping up each other's negative emotions. So you ought to recognize that and say, "We can't do this." And you can make a rule: look, we are not going to raise our voice at each other. And you know what'll happen? You'll you'll get into it and you'll start to raise it a little bit, and then you'll recognize that because the Holy Spirit's your friend and He'll help you. And then you'll say, "Oh man, I got to back down my voice," but you but you want to make your point, you know, and uh, so you got. So you'll start, you know, whisper screaming your point, you know. But uh, you've got to get that emotion out of it so that you can actually communicate and solve something because all of us will agree that when you've got that emotion in it, it's, you're not actually solving anything. You're not getting anything accomplished. It's pointless. It's useless. All it has is negative effects. So the next time you reach in and get into one of those situations, you just need to back off of that and say we need to just talk we need to just communicate you love me i love you let's just talk let's find out what's the root of this because what happens is a lot of times people are trying to find the root of what's wrong in somebody else this goes so well with the article that's coming out tomorrow And so they try to find what's wrong with the other person because certainly it's not them that's messed up certainly it's got to be you that got the wrong thinking and, um, and so, but it generally is both. It's almost always both in some part. And so when we... Re- probably my fault, but this is what I'm feeling. And I knew she was saying that just to make me feel better, but it worked, doggone it. Every time she, she'd say, I know it's, it's probably just me, and I'd be like, that's right, it is you. But, and, uh, but it worked, and it calmed me down, and she was doing that for me. So there's little things that, and see, that's what happens when you're actually thinking about the other person and not just you. Great question. Any other questions before we wrap up? Well, if you have any, just let us know. We are always here to serve you, your family. That's what we're here for. That's Lord, we just thank you so much. Lord, I we just call right now these relationships and marriage. Bless Jesus. Father, we thank you. We receive blessings. In Jesus' name, right now, just if you would, just put your hit he- your hand on your head, and just receive in Jesus' name, Lord. We just break any power of negative uh, influence from the devil, from the flesh that came from our fathers and mothers and grandparents, or the world. Any power that has its hand wrapped up. Grabbing a hold of, gripping these marriages to take them to an ungodly place. Let every chain be broken by the anointing of Christ right now in Jesus' name. Freedom of God be. Love of God be. Life of God be in every marriage and every relationship that's here in this in Jesus' name. Life, love, God be in Jesus' name in these marriages and relationships. Amen. So be it. So be it. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us.